Welcome to A Space to Isolate In. This is a collection of stories written in the time of coronavirus. You're listening to Counterpoint, written by Amanda Hallam Lane and performed by Daniel Wayman. This is just a story. As far as I'm aware, it has not happened. She is a musician. She is one of the first to be deemed inessential. She stays home. Her husband, an engineer, is expected to work. His job is to make sure airflow is established and maintained in vast buildings in the city. He programmes vents to open and close, to push out stale air and draw in fresh. The buildings he works on are concrete and glass temples to tax-efficient wealth. These buildings were always going to remain empty. He is expected to be there to make and maintain the lungs of empty buildings. It's a job. With more time on her hands, she watches the news, watches the rapidly unfolding disease spread its fingers. She watches the numbers rise. She worries. Stay home, she says to him. What you do is not essential. Stay home. This is no attack on him, but it feels like one. It's a job, it's income. He doesn't stay home. She pictures him on the packed commuter train into the city. She pictures him squashed into the tube. She pictures him talking to coffee vendors, fellow travellers, colleagues. She pictures him opening doors, holding the rails on escalators. She pictures him scratching his face, rubbing his eyes. She knows all his tics and habits. She pictures a million others doing the same. He comes home. He coughs. She freezes. And she knows she has the propensity to catastrophize. She thinks about deleting all her social media apps. She doesn't. The numbers rise. Someone tweets that the extra deaths are equivalent to five fully laden mid-sized aeroplanes crashing every day. Imagine. Five full aeroplanes. And she imagines those aeroplanes falling on dense populations. Cities. Cities like the one her husband works in every day. She imagines her husband in one of those shiny, new, empty buildings. A plane crashing into it. She sees him buried under rubble, confused, heart racing, struggling to breathe. Stay home, she pleads, not knowing how else to stop the metaphorical aeroplanes falling from the sky. He won't. He can't. She wants information to understand. She seeks out old school friends, the ones who studied microbiology, chemical engineering, biomechanics, virology. They're kind. They humour her. They try to explain, in lay terms, what's happening. The likelihood of a vaccine. The likelihood of returning to anything like normal. She tries to convey the science to her husband, such as her understanding of it is. But he continues to get up to catch the train, to get to the city, to make sure the empty buildings can breathe, to make sure they both can eat. And her anxiety shifts to anger. She threatens divorce, a bold move considering her current financial position. 
It is met with an equal and opposing anger, an anger that is understandable to any onlooker, but not her. This is a stress he does not need. He wants to keep their heads above water. She knows this. They isolate themselves from each other. He takes to the sofa, she to the bedroom. She hears of a professor across the Atlantic who has transposed the virus into a piece of music. She wonders if it is possible, through music, to communicate with the virus. Could a piece of music interact with it, maybe even change it, ameliorate its devastating effects, pacify it? She takes this piece of music and transcribes the sonified protein spikes and amino acids into dots on a stave. She plays the piece, sings it. She breaks the counterpoint apart, puts it back together. It gets under her skin. She works feverishly, searching for hidden patterns, for rhythmical glitches, for a chink in the sonic armour. She would lose all sense of time were it not for the sounds of her husband. His alarm, his shower, the opening and closing of the front door as he leaves, then returns from work. His rhythms punctuate her days. They don't speak. She no longer uses the same language. Hers is now in the molecular, the atomic. She thinks in ribonucleic acid, in spiky protein capsids, virions, phages, in eclipse and maturation. She thinks in concept and resonance, in cadence and progression, harmonics and dissonance. Words for her are clumsy, graceless. Her only focus is to learn the music of the virus, to absorb its language, to envelop it, engulf it, fuse with it. She writes a thousand variations, more, and with each iteration wills the virus to unlock its secrets. She begins to hear harmony in its movements, but then it jars, locking her out. She perseveres, changing a pitch, a cadence, and despite the insurmountable odds, something clicks. With an almost imperceptible shift in tone and frequency, a key slots into a lock, it fits and turns. And once one lock opens, another follows. A chain reaction of unlocking fugues opens her mind, and she knows she is about to understand. She will be able to communicate with it. She is breathless. Her heart beats faster. She feels light. The pace of this revelation. Startling. Cellular. And it's not just this one virion. She realises that the potential to know everything, absolutely everything, is right here, at her fingertips, in the symphony that she has unlocked. All she need do is press play. Something holds her back. A fear. This new music is unsettling. Though the beauty of it is compelling, she senses danger. To know that everything... Everything is about to be revealed is terrifying. She wants to stop. Go back. She hears her husband's key in the front door and remembers why she is doing this. To stop the aeroplanes from falling. She is doing this for him.
She presses play. As the music plays, every single cell in her body vibrates. She can feel herself folding, unfolding. She resonates. She is resonating with the virus. She understands everything. She can fix everything. She will fix everything. But she is so light. The sound builds. Layer upon layer, she is splitting apart. She is no longer corporeal. She is everywhere. As he opens the front door, he knows something is different. He has become used to the music, the strange and discordant sounds she has been making. But now it is quiet. He knocks on the bedroom door, opens it. He stands a while in the empty room. Something has changed, something irreparable. He sees her laptop, her latest composition cued and ready to play. His hand hovers over the spacebar. He hesitates. He closes the laptop. He opens the window, letting out stale air, and breathes in the fresh. <laughs>